Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast for Boardcast News on May 12th is Dan. Ladies. The one and only, because Tiff is too busy being the busiest music teacher in all of Ohio. Yes. Possibly the U.S. She might be the only music teacher in Ohio. (laughs) Well, apparently so. She's got four concerts this week, so we wish her luck. Uh, apparently she's made it through two of them so hopefully she finds some time to play some games but uh outside of that if you want to find us or chat with us you can do so on facebook by searching for the league of nonsensical gamers you can choose an email at podcast nonsensicalgamers.com you can find us on the bgg guild number 2077 head on over to youtube and search for the league of nonsensical gamers or find us on places like twitter and instagram Like I said, this is Boardcast News for May 12th, and we've got some stuff lined up as usual. Some news stories and some Kickstarter spotlights. Without further ado, let's jump on in. Alright, so I'm going to throw some news stories out. Dan doesn't know what's coming, so let's just see what his thoughts are. The first one is two new games coming from Thames and Cosmos, one of my favorite family publishers. Uh, The first game is called Imhotep, which is a family-style game for two to four players, Euro-style, where you are trying to build Egyptian-type things, I suppose. Uh, You have to excavate the land, transport your building materials, and then build a tiny little structure out of cubes on your your player board. Don't know too much about it. It'll be hitting uh, stores June 15th. You can check the BGG page to find out more. Seems like a cool little lightweight Euro game. I don't, you know. Yeah, I saw this at the New York Toy Fair. Um, They had it on display slash demo. And I got a quick walkthrough of it, like literally like two seconds. Um, I believe, uh, I can't think of the designer, but it's it's a good one. Um, (laughs) And yeah. It is Phil Walker Harding. Yes. So he's done other things. I think he just, he's Archaeology the Card Game. Is that that guy? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> the worst news report ever. But um, yeah, it actually has kind of a, a physical spatial element to it where you're kind of moving these little ships with blocks and stuff and you're actually building the little templates and monuments and obelisks and things like that. So it, it was a cute looking game. I, yeah. I thought this was already out, but maybe it's only in Europe. Uh, did you also get a chance to see Smugglers? Yes. Oh, Smugglers. Yeah, this is the one... Oh, this one, I, I vaguely remember it, but I remember thinking it was crazy because I think this is the one that comes with Play-Doh. Yes, this is another clay game from Cosmos. Yeah, and what you're trying to do is it's it, think like, I don't know, like Sheriff of Nottingham with clay. Like you're you're taking these gems that you're collecting or and you're trying to smuggle them and you're putting them in the Play-Doh. And I believe one of the players has to like guess and I don't know. There's a little like deception and bluffing to it. But the thing that stuck out in my mind was putting the pieces into the (laughs) Play-Doh. Like it actually. Two crazy elements because it's got that. And then it also has this fence with different size openings in it. And you have to try to squeeze your Play-Doh through the fence. Yeah. Like you're trying to escape it, you know, and, and run through this, this landscape. And if it fits or if it doesn't fit, allows players to guess what's inside your play-doh it's super crazy yeah that's i remember that now it's all coming back to me um i have pictures of it on the twitter somewhere so if anyone's yeah. really interested go search the twitter in like february at league nonsense 
Nice. And you'll see some pictures of both these games because I, I did see them in person. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of Cosmos games. Um, I mean, it's not their two-player line, which I think is superb and, and kind of an instant buy, but I definitely check out all these late family-style games. They're usually pretty fun, and they're usually pretty reasonably priced. So uh, take a look out for those. June 15th is the release date for both of those games. So Origins. Yeah. Moving forward, our next one is probably one that Dan won't care about, and I'm not sure if I care about. This is Near and Far, the latest announcement from Red Raven Games. It is the official sequel to Above and Below. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. So the interesting thing about this is that I think that one of the things that I felt, and that some people agreed with me in terms of Above and Below, one of its weaknesses was the narrative element which was also supposedly one of its strongest selling points. People wanted that narrative element. But it became so disjointed between the games that you never really got this full-on story. Well, Far and Near, the sequel, is actually going to be a chapter-based story game type thing where you're playing, I guess, something similar to Above and Below, but you're going through a sequential series of encounters. Uh, instead of this kind of hodgepodge of what you encounter. So it says that it plays over 10 chapters, um, and you know that then raises the concern about replayability. So it sounds like a shift in the direction that I would want it to go, but then I've got to beg the question about you know the gameplay and the replayability. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are well known. I, I think all of his games have like one little thing that I enjoy, and just that's it. The sum of the parts are never that pleasurable for me yeah. so this one doesn't interest me i still don't understand why how people love above and below because of what you said like i find that story element which is the major driving factor because the mechanics itself of the game are not that impressive and they're not that original no so the story thing was like oh that's kind of interesting let's let's meld a euro style game with a you know a Maritrashy story element um, to give it some theme and everything, which was, that's why I agreed to play it the first time. I thought, let's see how it plays. But like you said, so disjointed. It made no sense. Like, yeah. it just, you found a rock. Do you want to flip the rock? Yes. Okay. You found a Glogo, or whatever they're called. Under the there. Glogo gave you a pot. Yes, he gave you a pot. Do you want to put your rock in the pot? No, I'm okay. All right. Next turn. You did it. <laughs> yeah. like, so, uh, I'll be interested to see. I mean, I think that the narrative was well written to some extent uh, like the writing itself because i know he does all the writing um, did he maybe. do i thought i thought the writing was um uh, the he gentleman, recruited some people it was the gentleman who did like fantastica and okay. dingo's dreams and um oh my god the name is slipping it's on the tip of my tongue yeah i can't it'll come to it'll you come to me stories. probably in like yeah yeah in the next 20 minutes but um yeah and i, I like oh what yeah uh, that's gonna bother me we'll, we'll let it come to you anyway I, I'll be interested to see. The one thing that I don't know about this from reading the description... Ralph, Alf Siegert. Alf Siegert. <laughs> That's who did the writing? Alf Siegert. Yeah. I believe he was responsible for the story element, which okay. is cool because I like I like his games. He does some like really creative things. I, I picture him being this really, like I said, kind of outside-the-box kind of guy. And yeah, so we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he's doing another... Is this going to be Kickstarter? It's going to be kickstarted later in this year. I assume fulfillment will be sometime early next year. Um, what I don't know is I can't discern whether or not this is a cooperative game. And because the description says you and up to three friends explore many different maps. 
And it sounds like it would make the most sense as a storytelling cooperative game, but Above and Below is not cooperative. So I don't actually know, and BGG does not tell me whether or not games are cooperative. It just says two to four players. For it to be a, a continuous narrative, it makes more sense to be cooperative, I think. Yeah. It almost gives it kind of a legacy feel to it or a campaign mode feel yeah. to it. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's come up with some way to make it competitive too, which would yeah. be interesting. be interesting. But hey, speaking of legacy games, speaking of continuous stories, the Charterstone announcement has, has officially been made. Now, this is a game that I teased a news or two ago because Jamie Stegmeier teased it a news or two ago. But officially, the announcement of the Stonemeyer Games Village Building Legacy game has come out. It is a one to six players. I'm sure we'll have something to say about that. Village building game. And it is completely Euro worker placement, where you start with something very simple. And as you go, you're building village spaces, which are usable worker placement spaces in the game. And the claim here is something that Pandemic Legacy cannot say for itself or the other successful legacy games. This game is supposed to be fully playable and completely unique at the end of its progression. So you develop it alongside your game group and you have a fully unique playable game at the end of it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, that that was what kind of caught my eye as well because I'm thinking... What if you built a really crappy village? Like, yeah. am I going to want to continue to play this village like <laughs> later? I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe he's going to have rules that like put certain kind of base buildings or something into the game so that you play it or yeah. I don't know. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm sure it'll make $75 million and people love it. And I, I, I'm willing to give it a shot. It's an interesting. I like the little art he teased. I thought that was cool. It is cool. It looks a little too cutesy. I'm not really digging it too much, but I like, I like the logo. I think the logo is cool. I don't like the little people, yeah. on the uh, the picture. My my biggest concern is one to six players. So one player is there, and six players is the max. What's up with that? And then twenty to sixty minute playtime. That's not painting a picture for me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm I'm just as confused as you. I six players. That's. Uh... I've, you know, it's it's well known again. I don't like to play Euro style games with more than four. I just don't, I don't know. I know some play really well with five, but those are usually kind of like area majority games. Yeah. Where you kind of like just condense the, the playable space on the map and it creates like a natural inherent conflict. But yeah, most Euro games with six are so long. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So, but uh, yeah, interesting. It'll do well. So I'll be interested to see. The uh, next piece of news we have is the obligatory FFG news for those uh, Dan can tune out right now, but two expansions have been announced for Runebound 3rd Edition, the very long classic adventure style game. I've only gotten one play on my copy, but I'm digging it. One of the big complaints about that game was that there are only two scenarios in the game, and it is a scenario-based game. So if you've played it twice, you've technically played everything the game has to offer. Now it varies within those scenarios, but you're playing the same big boss over again. This uh, first expansion is the Caught in a Web expansion, which releases a giant spider villain that you would play against. So you get a third scenario for Runebound. And then they announced a, an expansion that would basically just, it's called an adventure pack. It just uh, buffs up, gives you some more cards to play with, gives you some different people to uh, add in characters and things like that. So some extra stuff for Runebound. They're clearly trying to support the game. I guess it's doing well enough. Uh, they're not 
kind of abandoning it, which they've done with some of their other titles that still have not gotten expansions. But uh, yeah, cool. Something that I'll look into, but I definitely need to play it more before I go spending more money on it. All right, Dan, you can come back. All right, what's next? Uh, I'm going to throw some things at you, and you're going you're gonna to pick your favorite out of these categories because in July, the Dice Tower Awards will be happening for 2015 uh, at Dice Tower Con, and they have officially posted their nominees. So a lot of these, I mean, we've done our awards. We're halfway through 2016, so not a lot of these come as surprises, but, you know, let's see what you think about what they think, Dan. Uh, we assume best board game components. We know where we fall on that, co-op games, things like that. What do you think about best game expansions, Dan? Cult Express, Heroes and Stagecoach, Five Tribes, Artisans of Nakala, Roll for the Galaxy Ambition, Russian Railroads, German Railroads, or Ticket to Ride, uh, UK, Pennsylvania? Hmm. Well, I haven't played German Railroads, but that would probably be the front runner if I had to choose. Yeah. Just off assumption. But I, I really liked the Ticket to Ride UK expansion. I really liked that map. Um, I thought it, it gave a good bit of um, extra decision making to the process of Ticket to Ride, you know, the base kind of thought process behind it. And uh, yeah, I liked that a lot. So as of now, that would be my vote. Talking about Five Tribes, yeah, that was a good expansion. I mean, I say good. It, it, it fit seamlessly into the game. You didn't really feel it which is always kind of a good thing with expansions usually it still played well and it didn't really shake up anything too drastically but it added just enough like to the thought and to the you know the decision tree to make it fun yeah yeah uh best game from a new designer i think that's a good category uh between two cities which was matthew o'malley morton peterson and ben rossett new york 1901 which is chenere lasalle Stockpile, which was Brett Sobel and Seth Van Orden. Time Stories, which was Manuel Rosoy. And Tides of Time, which is Christian Kula. Uh, I'd have to go Time Stories. I, yeah, I think so. I really like Time Stories. Yeah. A lot. Those are all good games, though. Yeah, they're all good games. Except they're for Between Two games. Cities. Yeah. And I'll talk about that one. Yeah. So, <laughs> all but that one for me. I, I like the other ones a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one that I'm going to throw at you is best small publisher game uh lanterns the harvest festival renegade games between two cities stonemeyer games burgle bros uh self-published by tim fowers champions of midgard from gray fox or stockpile from navu hmm. um i'd have to go in this one i'd have to go with lanterns yeah i like lanterns a lot although burgle Blo- burgle bros would be a close second because that one is pretty cool. Yeah, I like Stockpile too. I think Stockpile's good. No, Stockpile's great. And and Brett, who, you know, friend of the show and, you know, hang out with him a lot. He's a, he's a good guy. So Yeah, very cool. They just successfully, like, blew their Kickstarter funding goal out of the water for the expansion on that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to check that one out. And he showed me that at the, the Toy Fair, and it, it had a lot of cool parts to it. Yeah. Add a little, add a little meat to the bones. All of the other categories are pretty cut and dry. I mean, they're things that we would expect, and they have the exact titles that we've covered in our own awards. So you can go check that out on Dice Tower's site or just listen to our awards show again instead. And it's great. Yeah, Moving forward. Do, yeah. We need to do our SDJ predictions next, oh, next episode, I think. That's important. They come out at the end of this month. I think the 24th. Uh-oh. All right. I don't. I haven't played enough games yet. Well, well this we'll is get there. games released in Germany, so... True. A lot of these will be. I haven't played any of games them. we've played. <laughs> All right, let's talk about your favorite subject, pandemic. Mm. 
Dan F2Z has announced Pandemic Iberia, a special edition one print run pandemic collector's edition set in the Iberian Peninsula, which is Spain and Portugal, in the year 1848. This is just like Pandemic. You will be battling typhus, malaria, cholera, and yellow fever, but the deal here is that it's a new landscape and you are combating a lack of infrastructure found in 1848. So it's difficult to help people when you don't have planes and trains and automobiles or modern vaccines. Now, you want nothing to do with this. I know that. I don't know. I kind of like I like the time period. But my concern is, as I said, with the the Cthulhu one is, is this I hope they don't start turning this into love letter. Like it's really like, oh, yeah, I I I'm starting to feel that way because I was like, oh, no, Cthulhu, it's different. They're doing different things. And then they announced this and. Uh, yeah, it seems like they might be running with the pandemic line, but you got this at least sounds interesting. I mean, this sounds different. They're just, I think they're running off the hype of legacy. Like that obviously becoming the new number one game. People are, that came into the hobby, maybe with that as their first pandemic experience, want something different than base pandemic, which is essentially what legacy is just tweaked. So maybe they're trying to capture that audience with, you know, this, this method. But yeah. I would try this one. I, like I said, I, I really like that time period and not having the the modes of transportation. And that I don't know. It might be interesting. I'm not against it. I think it'd be cool. I don't want it to, like I said, if it starts going the way of Love Letter and we start getting Batman Pandemic. And <laughs> I think Lord, I might play Batman Pandemic. Lord of the Rings Pandemic and yeah. Game of Thrones Pandemic and insert Japanese cartoon Pandemic. and <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that's true. You can, if you're interested in this, or if you want to buy it and throw it off a building, you can look for this in the fall. That is uh, Pandemic Iberia. So, talking about Legacy again, this whole uh, Legacy's talk of the town, Dan. How excited are you that your most anticipated game for the last two years is finally on pre-order? Over at Plat Hat Games, you can officially pre-order Seafall, Rob Davio's independent, non-licensed or associated uh, legacy style game for $80 pre-ordered <laughs> Did you? yeah well the thing is it's supposed to come out at Gen Con so I was I was torn because I was like oh I could get it you know like a month early by getting it at Gen Con yeah um, but there's always that maybe it won't make it to Gen Con kind of fear and they even stated that on the website so I thought well if we pre-order it and then I get one at Gen Con early then we could just sell the other one like it wouldn't be that big of a deal or give it away as a you know website thing wow that would be huge yeah yeah so my concern i mean i have no concern about the game the game looks awesome it sounded great since the beginning basically it's a legacy style game where you start on an empty map with just a boat and some some equipment and you are you are exploring and you're uncovering this mystery this story that's going on I can only assume there's going to be like pirates or temples or hidden stuff. Like it just feels very high adventure, very cool. Um, kind of like, you know, like a Robinson Crusoe kind of thing. But they did so well with Pandemic Legacy in terms of the ability to build narrative across the game while still be engaging that I have a lot of hope for such a wide space. Like he, he could do whatever he wanted with this game and they've developed it yeah. a lot, a lot, a lot, uh, which is cool. It's pirates. I'm I'm gonna play it. Like, yeah. And this one plays five, so you guys can't kick me out. 
<laughs> oh, like you wanted to play Pandemic Legacy. No, Get I'm out of here. just kidding. My question is, do I need to pre-order this? Because you did. I think Ben did. And there's a benefit to pre-ordering that you get a full set of upgraded metal coins, which is they're calling it a $40 value, which helps to combat some of the super high shipping that they have um, with Plat Hat. But so I think Why you're getting a good deal. Copies? That's my question. I, mean, I could is, play my one copy with, you know, my other friends kind of thing. But if Ben's got it, then crap, I can cancel mine. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to do. I because I, it's a game that I want like it's a gorgeous looking game there's lots of cool stuff but I don't think I need it and I bought Pandemic Legacy so in my mind I'm kind of like alright somebody else can pay this time so I think that's where I'm at yeah. but I would love to support I mean, I Flat Hat and support coins this game because cool, I think it's way cool at this point everyone's got metal coins yeah it's true but it's it's a nice bonus for pre-ordering through them yeah it is I mean yeah because 80 bucks is not it's not a you know a cheap price so, yeah, Seafall, I mean, undoubtedly going to be something that we're playing. The question is who owns the box. I don't really know. I don't care. I just want to f- sail my little ship around. So that's what I'm looking for. Yep. All right. So our final our final news story comes from our friends over at Stronghold Games and Stephen Bonacore. He has announced a just a handful of games, three of which are in the uh, Great Designer series, and then one more on top of that. So let's chat about those a little bit. The first up might be of interest to Dan. Matthias Kramer, a new version of his game, Craft Wagon. This is called Craft Wagon V6, which will introduce a new set of tiles to incorporate the V6 engines um, of the time period. So it doesn't say a lot about what they'll do, Dan, but do you feel like that addition could be useful? I don't think it's going to add too much. And I'm, I'm hoping that they have like an upgrade kit for those of us who supported it you know early on yeah you know, i'm assuming maybe through spielworks or sorry black flag or whatever it's called uh black fire i think is the publisher but um yeah i don't know what i mean it's just going to add new engines you know yeah. my my biggest issue with the game and it's it's kind of i've kind of tailored off on my criticism of it because i do like the game but uh it had to do with the random card flips of yeah. the various kind of tech techs so to speak um, and how you acquire those engines and better engines. So this doesn't seem to address that. It just seems to add a little bit to it. So yeah. interesting. Well, number four in the Great Designer series will be from Jeff Engelstein. And it is called The Fog of War. It's an interesting game. The It's focused on two-player strategy game in the World War II European theater. And it's centered around this operation wheel, which is in quotes. Like it's this function this mechanism that the game itself revolves around and it has to do with selection of your your operations which i assume are your actions or your plays and you select those and it provides you with some options to bluff and maneuver um, and this wheel will be ticking as the turns go by so i'm not exactly sure how it works i'll be looking forward to hearing more detail about it but it sounds like maybe you're setting things in motion and they're taking Um, some time to kind of unwind or unveil themselves. Um, The game itself is a war game, but it's not focused on like moving your tanks and shooting people and rolling dice or anything like that. Um, It seems to be much more about planning and bluffing and, you know, how to commit based on the information that you have. So sounds interesting, but I don't, I don't know that I have enough information to really get a good feel for how it would play out. I've heard him talk in bits and pieces on Ludology about it and the the actual fog kind of mechanic sounds really interesting if he's kind of i don't know if he's kept it kind of 
with what he had talked about before. But I remember listening to that going, that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm all for games that don't really focus on the conflict necessarily. I, yeah. Bluffing is one of my favorite things. So yeah, it's one to keep an eye on. Yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm sure they'll release some more details soon. And the fifth game. Jurvik. Of- officially added to the great designer series this was talked about before but wasn't specifically under this header but it's it's yeah as you just said jorvik 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 no i don't know i'm just saying it like that. which is of course a viking theme game because all good games have viking themes these days everything Um, is a viking game most importantly though it's from your your love even though you used to not like him mr stefan feld I didn't used to not You're, like him. The games I had like played him. of his. I mean, my first what was my first was my first Feld Bruges possibly. Yeah, so that game wrong uh, foot. Wrong foot. Yeah, so everything since oh man, Trajan's like one of my top 5 games. I love that game. So Jorvik is actually a Viking re-theme of Spikerstadt, which we talked about before and I had completely forgotten. Uh, so it makes this game sound nice on paper when you read the thematic description, but really it's it's just a, a great, I mean, it's got a great bidding mechanism, which I, I love the mechanism itself, but man, were, was the game group underwhelmed when I played this with them. Yeah, I've not played this. I, I haven't played Spikerstadt. Tiff always speaks highly of it, so I, I want to try it at some point, obviously, to, to complete my Feldian uh, journey, Yeah, but... Yeah, I'm I'm indifferent about the retheme. I don't really care. It's a it's a feld, like really a retheme of a feld. That seems kind of oxymoronic, doesn't it? Wow, <laughs> who's to say? Uh, so those are the the next three in the Great Designer series. Uh, they will be coming out August, September, and October of 2016, which I find interesting. Like this this line of games seems to be getting like a shot in the arm. It's coming out very quickly at the end of this year. Yeah, he's he's being aggressive and he's yeah. he's putting out titles, which is good. Yeah, um, and I these mean, are these are well, I mean, craft wagons are craft wagon. Yeah, sorry, I haven't even got to say that yet. <laughs> um, I mean, that's already there. That's just a re kind of that's just a publishing deal. And then yeah. the Jorvik. I'm not sure if Jorvik is coming out in Europe first or not. Uh, if he got like rights to it or what, but, or I'm not sure. But I'm also I'm really looking forward to the other one in the Great Designer series, the um, the Western setting one by our. Um, I can't I can't think of designers tonight. I'm horrible. It's usually your thing. Yeah, I know this is not my thing. At the I'm moment. no good for that. So we just have to sit here until you think of it. Um, what's his name? Yeah, I can name all his games. <laughs> name, name me a game. Isle of Sky, Broom Service. Oh, that guy. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Doing great. He's got a Western one coming out. Yes, from Stronghold. It's like the next one in there. What is his name? Oh, God, I love him. He's made it into like my top 10. Jimothy. It's not Jiminy. No. Uh, Tor- Torbjorn. It's Alexander Fister. Yes, it came to me. Alexander Fister. Oh, your favorite. I love Alexander Fister. Yeah, there we go. All right. Good stuff. Well, one last game to talk about is the Dragon and the F- the Dragon and Flagon, which is a game by the Engelstein family, not part of the Great Designer series, but also coming out from Stronghold Games. It sounds like it's going to be kind of a wild, crazy game where everyone's fighting over this last flagon of really good drink, um, and it sounds kind of crazy. Probably highly interactive, uh, fantasy themed, 
sounds cool. I, something that I would check out. You know, I take a look at all of Stronghold games. Games. Yeah, that one again. He's he's spoken about that in depth on Ludology, and it's got like the the physical element with like the little tables and the kind of props within the bar, and then you're moving around and fighting people. And yeah, yeah, it seemed interesting. All right, well, that is the news for uh for May twelfth. Let's go ahead and move on to some Kickstarter spotlight. And surprisingly, Dan, you are going to be the spearhead of Kickstarter Spotlight today because you have backed and, and played a lot of these different games and we're going to kick it off with our first game, which is Space Race. Yeah, Space Race. So this is a game we were sent to preview. Um, it is now currently on Kickstarter. I think it has about a week left. So when you get this, um, hopefully a relatively quick turnover, um, there'll still be like five or six days left to check it out. Um, this is a game, this is a card game and it is all about players are competing, obviously in the age of the space race, to build the uh, best space agencies. Um, and you're going to do this through recruiting leaders and um, acquiring tech and breakthroughs and all sorts of things. The first thing you'll probably notice when you see this campaign, though, is the art. The art is pretty fantastic. Even on the preview copy we got, it really just stood out and made the game look really nice it's got a, a comic book style i'm Matt, you're more versed in comic book art than i am so i wouldn't even know what to call this style but it's it's really nice it's almost it's it's not realistic but it's kind of slightly altered that kind of style uh you know what i'm trying to say Cartoon-y. yeah i mean it's it's not a realistic it's kind of i you know i read comic books but i don't necessarily know about the art style it's got kind of that classic comic book look it, it's not hyper realistic and it's not overly simplistic it looks like a drawing i don't know i don't know how do you call it it looks like to me if you read image comics it looks like zero which is a fantastic comic book and this is a style that it reminds me of and that's the best i can do i'm sorry that's fair <laughs> Um, so yeah, this is a game, this plays, uh, two to four players. It's roughly, our games have played anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, which I believe is the box time. Two player go, flies by. You can play two player in 30 minutes or less, actually. Um, and the basis of it is, as I mentioned, you're building the space station, but you're doing it by recruiting cards. And it really has kind of, um, an old school kind of race for the galaxy feel to it in some of aspects. Um, so the various cards, so each player starts with a hand of uh, 12 cards and these cards are broken down into four categories and these are the four kind of, these are the four categories of cards you can recruit from the center of the table. You got propaganda, technology, the actual space program that you're running, and then breakthroughs. So these are just, you know, ooh, we got a breakthrough. <laughs> That's about as much science as we I can it. give you. Um so each you have again three of each of those four categories for a total of twelve in your hand, and they're numbered one, three, and six. And what you're going to do on your turn is each player is going to choose a card and put it face down in front of them. When everyone's done that, you're going to flip them up. What you're going to do is the the category of the card you've chosen and the number on it. You're going to add that to this category of cards that match that in your space agency and those numbers as well. The person with the highest number is going to get to go first in the round, okay? And this is important because there may be two people going for a technology card that's in the middle of the table, 
and whoever plays the higher car you know the higher total technology is going to get to go first and get that card first um, so there's a little bit of a what are you trying to do kind of you know that little kind of guesswork uh, to it and then you've got that kind of hand management aspect because you've got one three and six are the numbers in your hand so you could play your six to really boost your thing you know your your total score or you could play your one and just kind of hold back and maybe keep that six for a later date kind of thing so um, the game is played over seven rounds and like I said you're going to play these cards and you're going to recruit cards from the middle cards in the middle again match the various things so you have leaders leaders are you can have one leader in your space station um, they are a form of propaganda you also have these other you know other types of propaganda like just think of all it's all it's very thematic in that like a lot of the stuff is real events and real things that happened or were used as propaganda and technology etc so you're going to do that and you're going to recruit these cards and what you're basically trying to do is over seven rounds you're trying to build the most profitable and successful space agency and what you're going to do is you're trying to ultimately create synergies in front of you again i mentioned that the tableau build kind of a race for the galaxy because these different cards you recruit from the center of the table in your space agency are going to increase the abilities that you can do when you take um, certain actions so as I mentioned you're going to select one of those four categories but so let's stick with my example of technology so I pick the technology what's going to happen is I get to recruit a technology card and then I get to activate every technology card in my tableau so again going back to the hand management piece you have three of each card in your hand so you really want to optimize how you're triggering your actions in your tableau you only have seven rounds to do it there are cards that let you get ones back so you could trigger again or double trigger certain things i don't know it's a lot of a lot of different things going on um it's definitely one of those games you have to play a couple of times to really get a read of the cards and the, again the synergy and the other kind of combinations that you can create in your tableau but um overall it's a really kind of cool little game like i said it plays extremely quick the seven rounds fly by again with the simultaneous action selection then you're just drafting and activating cards um, it's a real simple premise but um, it's got it's got a lot of um, cool little um, twists to it um, one one downside for me was the the iconography again this was a prototype so they may change this you know going forward I'm not sure what kind of comments they're getting on it but the iconography for me was very hard to discern a lot of them had like a card symbol you can see on the Kickstarter page. There's like a card symbol, it's just a, a rectangle, and then there's a circle within that rectangle, and then there's a symbol within that circle. And there's like, I think there's eight different types of cards. So you have eight different symbols. You're trying to remember them all. They have a really nice little player aid, but again, it's really small and just not as straightforward as I would like to see. But Overall, I think it's I think it's well worth it. I believe the Kickstarter is going for I think uh, like thirty bucks US or something like that. Yeah, it looks like it's twenty nine euros, which with exchange rates right now averages out to about thirty three bucks. Yeah, which isn't bad. So yeah, and that's with stretch goals. It's already funded. Um, they they've been doing pretty great. They've got almost a thousand backers of this, which is awesome to see. Yeah, uh, very pretty game to look at. Uh, it's worth checking out. I think it's um it's a it's an interesting game. And again, it's all about kind of creating those um, combos and synergies. There was a couple of small things, but again, it was a prototype. I think we, they, things could be tweaked um, to streamline it a little bit more. But I think the core and everything else that surrounds the core is, is there for the most part. 
Fulfillment looks to be projected to be about December, so they've got time to make those tweaks if they get feedback from the community, um, from reviewers, print and plays, things like that. And the campaign itself will be ending on May 18th, so you still got some time after you're listening to this. And like Dan said, it's about 33-ish bucks if you're here in the U.S., and there is a higher level if you're into kind of digital content, art content, um, stuff like that. Uh, the illustrative style really is fantastic. That's It draws the eye. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting into like art books, kind of like coffee yeah, I think table they have books, an art book. which, yeah, I'm kind of, this is the kind of, the, uh, the kind of art style, the kind of book that I'd be interested in having and displaying and just showing off. And can I say a positive comment about the box art that they yeah, are the potentially box is fantastic. using? No name on the box. Yeah. Very sleek. Yeah. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's a really good. And the guys that designed it, I've been back and forth with them. Really cool guys. Um, really know what they're talking about. Again, there's a lot of a lot of cool history in this game. Yeah. So yeah. So Space Race, check it out. Very cool stuff. Moving forward, we've got more games that have awesome art. It really art really is like a defining feature of Kickstarter these days. You can't go to Kickstarter without some good art. And Saltlands, our next project, is another one that's way really up good there. looking really good looking game this will be ending on may 30th so even more time to check this one out it's met its funding goal this is from antler games and this is another game that we were sent a prototype copy of that we got to play and experience a little bit now we haven't fully uh kind of jumped into salt lands i wouldn't say that i'm an expert salt lander so you know take our comments with just kind of this preview this preview aspect that we have the first thing to say is the art is amazing. I think I like it even better than Space Race, which isn't fair to compare because they're totally different styles. I love them both. Uh, but this game is just... Talk about a game that conveys its... Or an art style that conveys its theme. The, the theme of this game is that you are wandering in this desolate kind of planet, this desolate area, and you are just trying to survive in the salt lands, in the salt flats. So you travel via these wind sails, and there are raiders, very kind of Mad Maxy, and this game has really kind of captured that at first glance. I feel that very strongly. Talking more about the gameplay, this is where things get a little tricky because I think that we found very quickly in our plays, and the the designers actually gave us the feedback of, you're gonna die in this game. It's tough. Your goal is to find the a sanctuary basically um, a hallowed ground that's been rumored and you want to get there to be safe and to to start you know civilization back up again to, to find a home and the goal is to escape these raiders you're avoiding your opponents and the raiders at the same time but they attack everyone so there is this unspoken cooperative nature to the game it's almost semi-cooperative but it doesn't tell you that and you really need to decide what to do to survive because if you don't work together, you're probably going to die. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just kind of go into like what I like and dislike about the game. I think there's, yeah, there's a lot to like and there's some things to dislike, which it's most games. I don't think you're going to find a game that appeases all boxes unless, you know, it's designed by Antoine Bauza. Um, just kidding. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> He's so dreamy. Um, anyway, so what I liked about the game, again, art, first and foremost, the game is beautiful. The components are excellent. Even in our prototype copy, um, it was pretty really quality. Prototype. I was very yeah. impressed by it. It has a really good 
table presence and again just looking at your hand of cards it was great um speaking of the hand of cards i thought the hand management aspects of it were were kind of cool the way you're trying to um use the cards in your hand either as one-time abilities or kind of churn them to be multiple use so you're trying to get the most out of everything you have the equipment you've salvaged and things like that so that really kind of lent a nice little um again decision point to each turn the rumor the way you find what is it we're searching for an oasis is that what it was or? yeah it's it's like a it's rumored to be a you know a safe place a fertile place somewhere to to settle down and be safe yep. you know yeah, so the way that kind of comes about, it, it reminded me a lot of Forbidden Desert, mm-hmm. um, which I really love the way Matt Leacock did the mechanic in Forbidden Desert about how you find the different pieces and where they intersect kind of thing. So this one is you're moving these different rumor markers around the board as you collect these rumors. And when they come to a, you know, uh, was it two of them meet? I think it was. Yeah, it's you. the game plays across a certain number of rounds and you're trying to basically... Um, as you move the where the locations potentially are, move around, and they'll eventually settle in a certain area. And when a certain number of cards have been flipped over, like these uh, navigation cards have been flipped over, then you know the final resting yeah. place of where that oasis is. Yeah. So you're chasing, you're thematically chasing these rumors, literally. Um, so yeah. that I really liked that mechanic. I thought that was great. Um, I liked the the way that the enemies activated. So there's four groups of enemies that each group has two different styles of enemy in it and they have different movement values attack values special abilities etc but in any one round they're only going to activate once so you can kind of plan ahead looking at the board and this will get into one of the dislikes in a minute but i really liked the mechanic around that and how they kind of utilize that because it, it it allowed for a little bit of planning on your part kind of knowing that oh the big boy raider that's sitting next to me is not going to activate before my next turn so i don't have to worry about doing this kind of so it again it lent itself to a little bit of planning which i always like the biggest downside for me and and this is any game this is not just assault picking on salt lands player elimination this game has player elimination and that really soured my first experience for me um the first play we did given you can die twice but when you die the first time, you lose all your character special abilities and flip the player board. And then you've got this kind of just base character, this vanilla character that you're running around with. And if that guy dies, then you're out of the game. And I think I died on turn three of five. And I was sitting there for like 30 to 40 minutes watching everyone play. Yeah. And I, I really that really rubbed me the wrong way. And that's, that's, that's player elimination in general. I think as a, a community, as a hobby... We've gotten past that in these bigger games. Like, I'm okay with player elimination in a game that takes 15 to 20 minutes. Something like that, where I I know I can just go get a drink, come back, watch you guys play, have a good time, funny laugh. This is like a, this is a strategy game. And it really bummed me out to have to kind of watch you guys play through the rest of the turns. And I was out. And sometimes it was my own fault. Other times I had no control over it. Because you can... And we'll put this in the plus category. You can send the Raiders kind of, you can plan when I said you could plan around the Raiders, you could also plan to send them towards your, you know, opponents as well. Yeah. So they could disrupt their own uh, movement and plans like that. But, um, that was my hugest pet peeve because I, I just hate that in games. I really yeah. do. So if that's not something you're interested, I would, you know, I would you take a look at it. 
And one other thing I forgot to mention, or two other quick things, the the sale, the land sale movement. I thought that was really cool. That's what I was going to talk about too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll let you talk about that. Uh, I was because I was kind of bummed when I upgraded to a car. I honestly didn't right. want to drive the car. Um, and the last thing was like again building on the hand management piece, but there's some really neat comboing. I, I remember the one thing I did take from at least my first play when I was sitting there watching you guys was watching you guys combo because I could pay attention a little bit more because I had mm-hmm. nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah. And I know you and Smee just ran off some really neat combos in those last couple turns, and that was that. That for me is always exciting, and I like that a lot. So yeah, I'll let you throw your thoughts in. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with a lot of what you say, and I actually, you know, looking through the Kickstarter page, they talk about some of the things that their game really brings to the table, and I agree with pretty much everything that they say in terms of, you know, it's a strategic social game. I think that this game values social interaction more than we originally realized, because that is not a League of Nonsensical Gamers default to be social, to be friendly and cooperative and try to work together. Uh, we're pretty we're pretty stabby at times, and I think that's exactly what we did, and we paid the price for that repeatedly. But it, it does have this really nice um, kind of streamlined combo system, multi-use cards where you can choose to use a card for a lesser effect but hold on to it, or you can burn it for a greater effect. Uh, I like that as you kind of pillage and and take over some of the raiders materials you'll get a lot cooler weapons and materials and things that you can chain together Uh, but that movement i think is really cool the game centers around these land sales because that's the best way to move around the salt lands because it's you know kind of barren dry land and what you have is this uh, movement compass almost it's like this little piece that points a certain direction and then there's a value within that which is how many spaces you can move and the way that, that that changes and the way that you can make your movements with your land sails, basically you can move directly with the wind to greater effect. You can move slightly against the wind for less effect, and you can never go directly against the wind. So the movement feels very sailboat land sail-y, which is cool in, in terms of having to like tack and move back and forth um, and shift your movement as to get across the land. Now, as Dan said, you can upgrade your vehicles. When you when you beat a raider, you can grab a Jeep or a dirt bike or a big truck. And those are cool, too, because they require gas, but they have better movement and they can go over the different terrain types. But like Dan said, it it sucks to give up your land sale almost. I mean, it's not that it's not the land sale is better. It's just more fun. Like the movement feels more unique and you get to you get to utilize that cool wind uh, mechanism when you're in the land sale when you can just drive wherever you want when you're in a car uh, which is less exciting you know mm-hmm. I want to feel like I'm traveling the salt land so I do agree with Dan that I just the player elimination and the the difficulty like just trying to survive is tough and and the game feels very challenging you know and and I think that in a group like ours we have less success because it does require some cooperation and it's hard to enter a competitive scene knowing that eventually you're going to get backstabbed and group wins don't really sit right with me. I'm just not that kind of person typically. So I think that those end conditions, just not my style of game, but there's a lot to love in the salt lands box. I think it's very cool. And the price at 50 bucks, not bad at all. You know, you got to look at into shipping, but if you're in the U S it's actually free, which is cool. Uh, goes up elsewhere in the world, but you know we benefit from that. All kinds of add-ons. You can add really cool miniatures instead of having the little raiders be tokens. They have like little miniatures, like for the the miniatures look awesome. Yeah, they have a they have a collector's edition with metal minis and a fancy board. They've got the plastic minis. It 
it's really got good table presence and it looks like the style of this game very unique and i'm actually really excited about today's kickstarter spotlight because these aren't remakes there's a lot of originality a lot of unique design and Mm -hmm. this is what kickstarter's for a game like saltlands a game like space race this is why we're here on kickstarter and we talk about it because this is handmade independent cool stuff and i really dig it yep i agree all right so i've i've spilled too much i got one more project that we're going to talk about because dan backed it and uh it's called anachrony and i know nothing about it so dan give me the spiel on why this game is cool so anachrony is one i've had my eye on for a little bit um ever since it was kind of teased maybe like late last year maybe in the fall um, this is from Mind Clash Games, so the name might sound familiar because these are the folks who brought us Tricarian, okay. which was the the big Kickstarter success last year. Real big, beautiful game about playing as magicians. Um, excellent game. I really like that one a lot. Um, so obviously I was very intrigued, and these guys, they seem to just be innovative. I really liked a lot of the mechanisms they tried out in Tricarian, and I was curious to see what this, this one was all about, but... It was an instant back for me. Um, I did it literally within the first 10 minutes of it being online. And I'm really pleased with my backing so far, yeah. even after I read it. <laughs> like I was like, I'm backed. And then I was like, yeah, this makes more sense. It's it's a epic Euro game, they call it. With It's, I think, worker placement as its core. And the, the, the theme is it's set in a grim-futured earth that is being rebuilt and you're rebuilding it along these four different ideological paths so you've got like the four different types you've got one looks like the the hippies one looks like the warmongers one looks like the the religious nuts and then the the smart people so the nerds so those are the four kind of generic uh things there but you're going to assume the roles of these different leaders of the paths and you're ultimately trying to get your path to come out on top when the i believe it's like a an asteroid impact shakes the earth and you need to like become the last independent city i don't know you know me and theme yeah but um the, some of the mechanisms in it it has a a, a tr- time traveling piece to it it's called they call it resource management through time um it's allows players to kind of record they get to grab resources from their own future at the beginning of their turn or in uh, yeah i think it's at the beginning of the turn and then that helps you kind of like have a big turn in a way. You know, you can boost it, uh, your progress for that time being. But you have to eventually, you have to send the resources back to their own past in the earlier turn. Um, because if you don't, you're going to cause a temporal anomaly tearing up the present. And what that means mechanically, I don't know. But <laughs> it's just, it's interesting that you can kind of borrow from the future, but you also have to kind of repay the past um, at some point after you've kind of benefited and you know um the fruits of the the future labor so it looks really cool it's got these like so they've got like workers and then they've got exosuits and the exosuits are like these miniatures that you can put the workers in and there's different yeah there's different types of workers and certain actions can only be used by certain workers and certain ones can only be used if you're powering an exosuit kind of thing so uh, i really like worker placement games that do that um, where they have the different actually one I'm toying with myself right now has that because I really like the the kind of setting apart the various areas of the board and or the yeah. workers to kind of 
you know, just create that inherent conflict on the board between players as well as within your own internal kind of thought process as well. So um, the game looks great. It's got a real futuristic vibe. It's got like that clean time stories art kind of vibe to it. Yeah. It, it kind of looking at the character art, it almost looks like the same artist who did Tricarian. Oh, yeah. I haven't read down far enough to confirm that, but um, this one just launched um, recently, I guess yesterday, from when you're listening to this, probably two days ago. Already funded, they're at 1,200 backers, $104,000 yeah. um, already. There's two different pledge levels. You got the $59 level, which is the follower box. This comes with the the re- this is the retail version with. Um, it's got a module and then the stretch goals, the module being an expansion, I believe, kind of like they do with Tricarian. Mm-hmm. But then there's the $79, which I backed at. And this has with the, it's got, you get to pick an exclusive box sleeve for one of the four paths. And then you also get the, again, the modules um, and you get the, the miniatures as well. Yeah. I mean, it's a little high, but those functional miniatures and, it being a Kickstarter project, free shipping, eighty bucks doesn't seem too bad. No, I'm trying but to it's, look. It's a little pricey. Fifty-nine dollar box still comes with miniatures. They're just not mega sized, like they said. But oh yeah, the stretch goals they've already hit look nice. Uh, again, the art looks wonderful. It's like that futuristic style I like. So yeah, this was an instant back for me. This game is has huge draw for me. Like there's a lot of things that look really interesting about it, particularly just thematically. It's got such a good look three yeah. games that have awesome awesome design this uh this forecast news and just the gameplay with the the minis that can only you know they're not it's not just that they're minis it's that they're functional and that the purpose of the minis is because only certain actions can be taken at certain times and you need the exosuits to to utilize those so it's it's kind of adding an extra layer of requirement to take actions which i think is cool mm-hmm. so it's not just that there's plastic it's that they're actually kind of functional and there's a mechanism there. So a lot of cool stuff from this game. I had not heard about it until I saw that you backed it. So, yep. Now, like I said, this is one I've been tracking since last fall. So I was really excited to see it um, come on board. The question is, what path are you on, Dan? Are you on the path of harmony? The path I of chose dominance? Dominance because it's got a really cool squid logo. Yeah, it looks like uh, the Greyjoys. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like that one a lot, actually. Very nice. I mean, I relate most to the supreme intellect, but... Ah, uh, well. <laughs> Pretty cool. All right. Well, hey, that is Kickstarter Spotlight for a day. Not bad at all. A lot of cool stuff to check out. And that also puts a wrap on uh, this episode of Broadcast News for May 12th. Thank you all for joining us. Don't, if you liked... Oop, don't go forget ahead. to remind people about our contest, Matthew. Oh, yes. That is that is in this. Let's, let's get the minutiae out of the way. If you want to reach out to us you can find us on facebook by searching for the league of nonsensical gamers you can shoot us an email podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com the bgg guild this is where i'll talk about it number 2077 sure you can go ask for a micro badge and we'll gladly tip you eight geek gold to get a tiny meeple shield but most importantly there's a thread there talking about our contest that is currently going on the podcast of nonsensical gamers tagline contest which has a wealth of awesome prize options which i need to put in that thread Uh, But all you have to do is send us through Twitter, through BGG, through something, tag me or tag Dan, a tagline for our show. You listen to the show. You know what we're all about. Uh, Well, apparently some of these people think we're about some weird stuff if you read these taglines, but they're pretty great. 
Uh, give us a tagline, as many entries as you want. If we like them, they go into a random lottery. If we love it, if it's our favorite, you automatically win by having the best tagline. So two ways to win, lots of great prizes. That's going to run right now. It's just going to keep on rolling. We will let you know before it ends. Uh, it will likely be before the next live show so that we can sort through them live on air. So that is our tagline contest. Please participate. It's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. There's been some really good ones so far. I've laughed and chuckled at pretty much all of them. So I'm going to try and put them all, especially the ones that we've gotten through Twitter. Yeah. Try and put them in that thread so other people can see them. Yeah. Maybe we'll let people vote on like the finalists for us or something. Oh, that sounds good. I have a, uh, a spreadsheet and a lot of people are, you know, I think uh, Matt's show about his brother Dan is probably the that, leader right now. That was hilarious. I really like that one. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I also like Home of the Sweetest Buns in the Podverse. Yeah. Okay, fine. You're still a grown man named Cinnamon Buns. Well, you know, you take what we can get. Speaking of which, check us out on places like Instagram. Leave us an iTunes review if you like the show. We love the feedback because it helps... Our show get noticed if you think we're good, but it also provides us corrective feedback if we need to switch some stuff, which we're happy to do. But most importantly, speaking of me, the grown man named Buns, our Twitter handles are the best way to find us, to chat with us, to get personal, to enter tagline contests. You can find Tiff, the absent member here, at IneptGamer. Dan, where can they find you? At League Nonsense for the League's account, which I run, and at Scandalous underscore Nad if you want to talk other things other than board games or board games i don't care either way it's baseball season it is baseball season so let's talk baseball so that's a that's a good thing to talk about it's game of thrones season you can talk about game of thrones not as good as baseball but still good well i'm just trying to trying to flesh you out as a person dan here we go Mm -hmm. uh you can find me the grown man at cinnamon buns spelled phonetically stupidly I apologize, everyone. Good luck finding me. But if you do find me, leave me a tagline. I'm happy to to put that in my spreadsheet. Thank you all for joining us. We will chat with you next week for a full episode number 45. But for now, we will say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.